0: That's linkedin.com slash MPN. Terms and conditions apply.
2: In an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other.
1: Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to
2: theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net
0: or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing, one topic at a time, hosted by digital marketing consultants, Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Now, here are your hosts, Jess and Andy.
3: We are back live on the making of a marketer. Thank you for hanging with us today on this Wednesday afternoon edition. So big question. We're going to start out right out of the gate. You see some new faces here today. Brooke Tishner, you might remember her from a few episodes back, joining us again as a special co-host. So Jess uh, is away right now on her maternity leave and great news she had her second child she's healthy The child's healthy baby georgia is here so it is a great time for jess we're letting her relax and spend time with her family as the show continues on she'll be you know still on our page i'm i'm expecting her to maybe drop in a comment or two i hope she's resting and not looking at linkedin but if i know jess she's probably checking her way her uh, notifications right now and uh, seeing what's going on. But as we said, Brooke, we have you back today. Really excited to have you. We had an excellent conversation last time um, revolving around employment branding, the candidate experience, and I think it's more relevant than ever for us to continue that discussion. And a brief introduction on Brooke. You are the founder of interview Ally and you help assist candidates in coaching them and helping them kind of mold into basically interview skills skills around jobs skills around giving them that pizzazz if you will to go and do their next play so we're excited to have you again today and uh looking forward to continuing this discussion
2: thank you so much for having me Andy and congratulations Jess
3: most definitely. And we would be remiss if we didn't update you on one more thing before we get started. If you've seen some of our posts, we did preview that we had an announcement coming. We did do the announcement on our LinkedIn page. If you aren't following us on our LinkedIn page, the Making of a Marketer podcast on LinkedIn, I highly recommend you choose to do so, where we have the video and live version of podcasts. We did join the marketing podcast network. So what does that mean for us? It means that, hey, we're now on a network with a lot of other marketing podcasts and we can combine some ideas, kick um, different things off of each other, have guests and, and kind of co-promote different shows, which is really exciting. You probably do notice there's some ads running, what that's going to be helpful for us is it It not only establishes the podcast now in a larger network, but it brings in a little bit of revenue that we can put back into the podcast to improve things like graphics, equipment, micing, um, different things that go into this as you know, what started as a side project with Jess and I, but we're really excited to grow it. So excited to be a part of the Marketing Podcast Network. Which also leads us to this, which this episode today is sponsored by Active Campaign. So, Active Campaign is a B2B software company that is utilized for small businesses looking to grow your business, whether it becomes um, mixing and matching email automation, CRMs, things like that. You know, I think back. If you've done any email marketing, like myself, crash course email marketing, Brooke, I'm sure you've dabbled in some email for sure. It's not the easiest thing. It's a little bit of a craft. It's not one of those things where you can take a social media manager and tell them to go do email. And when you're doing small business, Sometimes somebody's doing everything. They're doing the marketing. They're doing the sales. their Brooke's raising her hand. A little bit of everything. So, what Active Campaign can help you do is this incredible marketing automation tool that allows you to mix email marketing, um, email marketing automation, CRM platform to grow your business. It's a powerful tool that already helps over 185,000 businesses grow by scaling their personalized customer experiences. Active Campaign is offering our listeners a chance to double your contacts for free. So what this is, for a limited time Active Campaign will double your contacts for free if you go up to activecampaign.com/activate. What this means is if your email list has 10,000 contacts, you only need to pay for 5,000 or you can pay for the 1,000 and get an extra 1,000 contacts totally free. So that's activecampaign.com/activate. Activate campaign. Active campaign has over 10,000 five-star reviews on G2 from happy users. They are building and growing and hoping to grow with you. So if you're medium, small business, you work in marketing, you're a business owner, activecampaign.com slash activate. Take advantage of that deal and happy again to be a part of the podcast or the marketing podcast network where we can enlighten our audience to some of these things. But with that, Brooke, you know, let's talk about today, we're talking about candidates, employment marketing, things that we're seeing in the market in 2023. It's been a crazy year. So I want to just kind of touch base with you. What are you seeing right now from your candidates? How do you feel the vibe is? And has there been an uptick in 2023? Do you think people are starting to feel confident with the way that jobs and employment are headed?
2: I think that is an amazing question. And I would say that the vibe that I am seeing, at least on LinkedIn, um, because I'm on there every day, is that candidates, and this may be a generalization, but from what I've seen, it has not been a great experience. And what I mean by that, it's a very tough market right now. It is overly saturated with people who are buying for jobs, often buying for the same position. So it makes it even harder for people to stand out and get in front of recruiters and hiring managers to notice them. The struggles that I that I'm seeing, Andy, quite frankly, are like I said, like I said, struggling to get noticed in the job market, having long, drawn-out interview processes. By that I mean three or more being ghosted by recruiters or hiring managers. And even with some clients I've talked to, they've made it to the final rounds of interviews on the brink of getting a job offer and completely getting ghosted by the employer, which is crazy to me. Uh, I've just seen people lamenting on LinkedIn about being out of work for months, if not years for some. Um, Unfortunately, some have, have conveyed that they are in desperate situations just to make ends meet. So I would say that the general vibe right now is not a, a positive one. It's leaning more toward negative. I'm struggling. I need help. So that's what I'm seeing. And I've seen that also with my clients as well, especially with having problems, getting noticed, getting invitations to interview. So it's a, it's a real struggle right now across the board.
3: Do you think there's any playbook right now? So we look back 2008, 2011, you know, previous recession time. I'm one of those ones that, you know, I can definitely lean into my story as we go that I applied for hundreds and hundreds of jobs being new to the the workforce and got the automated emails or the ghosting that we talk about. You know, some of the going to interviews and not really seeing it go anywhere. But, you know, is there a playbook for people that, are entering more of a tough job market right now about how you manage it, how it's a little bit different. Is there maybe any history maybe we could look to where it might turn a corner? You know, I think it's for me, it seems pretty unprecedented right now, some of the things we're seeing, but I, I don't know. Maybe there is something that we could look towards for almost motivation.
2: So I would say that there's no no defined playbook for any one job seeker or candidate. It's not going to look the same. This kind of leads into another another question that we were gonna discuss, and that's how are candidates marketing themselves these days? And I think because of the job market we're in, because of how challenging it is across the board, you know, the situations that job seekers are finding themselves in, they're having to be creative and having to figure out ways, unique ways to get noticed and to get in front of recruiters and hiring managers And by creative, I mean getting on LinkedIn every day, being proactive, stepping outside. Of course, you're still in front of the computer while you're trying to network on LinkedIn, but putting yourself more out there, it's kind of like a dating game when you're on a dating app and you're like, here I am, here are my unique skill sets and talents and expertise, and this is how I'll fit in with your job. I think candidates are taking it upon themselves to be brave and courageous and to put themselves more and more out there in unique ways. As far as getting notice, getting notice on their profiles, but also here are my skill sets, and here I, here I, here's how I can show up for you. And I've seen some people, Andy, go so far as, and this is uh, aligning to the creative piece that I was talking about. So there is someone that I've been connected with on LinkedIn for several months. She's been uh, laid off for several months now and has been looking for jobs. And at one point, I saw it was brilliant she put a post out there and it was for a position that she was applying to, but she tagged the company. She tagged the company in her post and went through all of her relevant skill sets, but also in like a storytelling way. And I believe she tried that tactic several times. And I believe it helped her to get an interview. So people are are really taking a creative approach because they have to, because I think of the way things are. It's not just, I'm going to submit my resume and application and I'm going to get noticed. It just doesn't work that way anymore. So people are having to be more proactive and more vocal and outward facing, if that makes sense on LinkedIn, especially on LinkedIn right now, really outside of LinkedIn as well. It's like, I have to be an advocate for myself because there's a sea of people out there that are also buying for positions. I got to do something that's going to make me stand out.
3: And that's a great discussion point right there, because we talk about influencers. Influencer is this like really taboo. Word that's been in uh, the marketing industry for a while. Some love them, some hate them, some still don't know what they are. We call them creators on LinkedIn, of course. But what you're talking about right now is actually an influencer based strategy of marketing yourself in a professional world, of course. It's not a TikTok dance, but it is reaching out to those companies, being personable, being yourself and trying to kind of break through that feed of getting noticed. And I feel like one big takeaway that I hear you talking about, we talked to, you know, I heard you talk about this in your last our last episode, we can dive into more is getting rid of that stigma about personal branding, because I feel like there's people out there, they feel like if they're talking about themselves, or reaching out to companies, or trying to position themselves strategically by using LinkedIn, they almost feel taboo about doing it, and it's something that's free, something all of us can do. It's something all of us can take an advantage. And I know, Brooke, especially you starting Interview Ally, all of us have a story to tell, and that helps us relate to the companies we work for in the future.
2: Totally. Storytelling, in fact, that was one of my bullets here in my notes, Annie. Storytelling is huge because it makes it, you because the storytelling is unique to that person. And so therefore, the more a candidate or job seeker does that and engages in that kind of activity, posting, commenting, putting themselves out there in that way, but also telling their own unique stories with their own unique talents and skill sets, that's how they're going to rise above the rest. It may take some time, but the more that you are strategic and intentional about taking the matter into your own hands in that way, the faster you will get to landing your next job. Again, I understand that it's hard out there and it may take longer than you want, but I think by taking that strategic approach, it will get you to where you want to go.
3: And that's just something that I think all of us have in us. You know, these are skills we're talking about in terms of marketing ourselves, sure, their marketing skills or influencer skills, but you know, we're talking about you know writing that you did in college, writing you did in high school. Remember, remember the essays you have to write about yes. yourself? Five things that you like. Thank you, uh, fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Gibson. Um, you know, <laughs> these were things that I feel like are skills that are almost coming back when you're talking about LinkedIn here.
2: 100%, people candidates, I see a lot more posting not only about their work-related experience and their talents and skill sets, but also going back to the, the, the podcast episode that I was on before, showing the human side of them as well, because we all come to the table as the same people. We're the professionals, but we're also the human beings outside of work. And so I've seen a lot of job seekers and candidates sharing their unique stories. And that goes back to the storytelling on LinkedIn, and it's almost in their own way, they become their own content creators. And by doing that, by being um, engaging and on LinkedIn a lot, it, it therefore brings more traction, right? And hopefully views to their profile.
3: Yep. And, and I relate to this. So I think about my personal journey on LinkedIn. So long story short, I have been in the social media slash digital industry for I mean, it depends what you call the digital industry. I worked in radio and started working in digital in 2013 is when I started doing some digital-ish stuff. Uh, 2014, it became part of my job. Um, Later in the year, it became my official job title. So you can say almost 10 years now, you know, and then add on some radio experience. But what I learned going through this is I came through the recession era of trying to work in radio. So what that consisted of was me doing a part-time job as a radio host to start my career that nearly went on two years before I got full-time job. I moved back in with my parents. I have relationships give up on me. It's like, hey, Andy's just a dreamer. He ain't going anywhere type thing. Um, I started to go and pivot into this digital world, but heck, we didn't know what we were doing. That's what I always joke about is the early digital days. We don't know what, we had no idea what we were doing. So I did dabble in some, personal creator type marketing on LinkedIn a while back. What I started doing is I started writing articles that related to back then it was more Facebook digital marketing. I wrote an article about how uh, the electronic dance music industry and social media industry have some similarities that you didn't think about. Did a bunch of just stuff that was just out there. And what I felt like it did is it allow people to see how my brain works, but I did it for a reason because I felt like I talked to so many social media managers and so many people in the industry And they all said the same things early on. They were being overworked because managers didn't understand their workload. They felt like they were underpaid. Uh, They felt like there just wasn't upward trajectory that they had to basically do other types of marketing to get where they needed to get. It's gotten a lot better, to be fair. But what I started as when I started doing these posts was... You know, I felt like maybe it could be advantageous, of course, for my career to, to network and put these posts out there. But also, I think it allowed me to be an ambassador of my industry. So what I think is that whether whether your industry is digital or something completely different and you are seeking a job right now, you likely have some skills that you've built up over a long course of time that would lend itself to articles, to posts, to videos, to whatever you're most comfortable about. Just getting out there and doing it. There's always going to be someone that is, you know, interested in what you're doing, and vice versa. There's always going to be someone in the corner that might talk about you and say, "Oh, look, so and so's trying to be an influencer," but you can't. You just can't worry about that as much anymore. I think you have to just do you, and you're never going to please everybody by doing you. But if you're pleasing yourself, I actually think that doing that. Made me better at interviews going through that experience because I just started talking about things I like to talk about. It actually helped lead me to jobs that I wanted to take because I started talking almost out loud on LinkedIn without concrete thoughts, writing about EDM and social media. And it just got me to a better place.
2: Yeah, it's like you were preparing for an interview, but you weren't really interviewing. It was like you created all your speaking points and you're also showing, hey, Here's my knowledge and my areas of expertise, and just putting it out there. I think that's I think that's an exciting way to to advocate for yourself, right? Just to showcase it, your skill sets, your experience, not only with work and life, but by putting yourself out there in that way can be can pay off a lot.
3: Definitely. So let's flip this now. Let's flip it on its head and talk about the employer side of this. So. Uh, we are looking at employers right now. And we obviously have seen the layoffs. That's one thing that you gotta be a little, I think a little cognizant of on LinkedIn right now is there's just a lot of that news that's out there and you can get sucked into some of the negative news. So, So be careful reading these articles, kind of put a time limit. It's good to know. It's good to know your industry. Good to know where companies stand. But I would also put a little bit of a time limit too. But let's talk about hypotheticals with employer brands right now. So we'll just say we're company A, we've laid off 25% of our workforce. Now it's our new fiscal year and we're increasing our workforce now by an additional 5%, but reallocating those jobs. So they are got to find a way to be attractive to candidates again. How does an employer go from this to now we're hiring and they can look a candidate in the face and say, this is a safe place to work?
2: That is a really, really thoughtful and good question. And one that gave me pause, which is a good thing Mm -hmm. because I really did have to think through this because that's a hard position to be in. It's a hard position for the people who were laid off. Number one, it's a hard position as the employer, when you're trying to attract top talent after a layoff. So I spent a few minutes, Andy, thank you for this question. And what I came up with was number one, going back to the previous episode that I had the good fortune to be on with you and Jess, prioritizing the candidate experience. And that means starting with reaching out to them, scheduling interviews, being forthright with their communication, being responsive, being timely, being open about what the hiring process looks like, how long it will take, who people will be interviewing with. I think the more information and the more transparent you are with the process, the better you will come off to job seekers and candidates. I think coinciding with that, once you have attracted a top talent, you can even go further with optimizing the onboarding process. So you have this awesome new hire in place. Let's make their integration efficient and productive and successful and let's do it in a matter of a week. So that also looks good. I would say that um, as the employer, if they can, I think it would make a huge difference to share what the vision or of the organization looks like now going forward after post layoff. Does that make sense? If they can, I know that information may not be like, maybe they can't talk about it, but I think if you can give a picture of what the vision looks like going forward in the future to a potential candidate and then tell them, and this is how I see your position playing a part in that Mm -hmm. for the long term and being on not no no bs being honest with them about that i think that alleviates the fear around is there going to be more are there going to be more layoffs in the future you can't always, you can't predict that right but i think if the employer is forthright with that if as much as they can be that can help alleviate some of the worries and fears around potential layoffs in the future it's kind of like reassuring a potential candidate um and also that coincides with the financial stability i don't know if, how much Employers can speak to that in an interview, but I think the more information they can they can share with a candidate as a candidate's assessing whether or not this is a good fit for them as well is really important. Um, I when I talked about what to expect during the hiring process, I also think again as I talked about this in the last episode, Andy, but I think it's worth sharing that the current employees, what they're doing and what they're saying and how they feel about working there, they can be the greatest ambassador for a company. Mm -hmm. That can't be like, it is very important. I would encourage all employers to utilize their staff. If their staff is open to it by spreading that message by like, this is what I love about this company. Yes. We went through these layoffs, but things are different now and here are how they are different. So kind of utilizing and leveraging your, your people, because quite honestly, I'm probably going to believe more so the employee that works the company over, let's say, a higher up, who's trying to woo me and get me in the door. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, people want to believe people too, you know, they want to believe someone that's going to be working alongside them. I can say that from personal experience, there is A large company out there that I considered at one point, but I had heard four different people say the same exact negative thing about that company, and it put a big pause on it for me so you know I think it's just. It, everyone's a little different, so I think about myself. We'll say seven years ago, I'll take a job. Like at that point, I was as like, you know, yes. I'll work for anyone just to get my career going. It's when you know I think people start getting more specific. They have to take jobs and do roles to learn things. I think it's really important. There's so there, there's a lot of candidates I've talked to. And I think they feel like a certain job at some point in your career, it'll call it a waste. I I strongly say do not ever use that word. It's a learning experience because you learn what you like and don't like. And it helps you move to the place you need to move. It could be your third job. It could be your 17th job, but it helps you get there. So, you know, when I was in that place, I was getting a little more picky. Um, An employer brand was big to me. Like I needed to trust where I was going to work. And I can say that working at LinkedIn was a lot because I knew people who worked there and trusted what they were saying about LinkedIn because it was a very big change for me. I went from working at agencies, smaller agencies, to working in a more corporate environment, which was new to me. So I wanted to make sure that was the right move for me because I knew I would be taking on a lot of unknown once I made that transition.
2: Yeah. And that's that's a big leap. So you like you said, you're gonna not necessarily I don't want to say trust, but like if you know people who work for the company and they're happy, like, okay, and there's a number of them, then it's a good sign that you're heading in the right direction and you're joining a, a company that values their employees. Um, I do say it's also important, and not that this information can always be learned, but I think the way in which a company treats their staff during a layoff, staff that have been laid off, have been given the papers to leave, but also the staff that stay behind, how those people are treated throughout the process especially the people who've been laid off. Were they treated with compassion and empathy and clear communication? Were they given a severance package? Were they given outside career help with resume writing, Uh, job search assistance? I think that also speaks a lot to an employer brand if they conducted the layoffs in a humane way.
3: So that's actually, that's another point because during my one-time layoff experience, mine was the classic, you're here now you're not. um, Yes, me too. (laughs) So it's like- one day I was working. The next day I wasn't there. That actually hardened me up to a little bit, to where I was like, okay, I have to get control of this. Like, I have to get control of what I'm looking like on LinkedIn, what types of jobs I want, um, et cetera. I put a few years in. I've learned, but you know, let me take these few months. And those few months, I was literally probably three weeks away from moving back into my parents, my late 20s. So it's not something anyone wants to, to say, but you know, I started, you know, the, the financial situation, the college loans, like you you like, you're talking about people that are out of work, like you cut the income, just, you know, cold and just dead drop. Like if you don't have enough saved up, that goes through pretty quick, even with unemployment. Um, So you know, I had to make that kind of, you know, gut check, but I actually held out a little bit for the right job during that time, but stuck to my guns. It's like, this is when I have to start promoting myself. And, you know, I, I have to be my biggest ambassador and 100% that was helpful to me.
2: I, that was such a good mindset to have that time. I, so I was laid off during the 2009 recession, Andy, and I remember, and I think I'd be remiss not to share this experience because I'm sure there are people out there who can relate in some way. So this, the day that I was laid off, I was asked to come in to my boss's boss's office. And then the head guy above him was there. And next to him on the table was a notepad. And I believe the names were in red, but there were names that were in red. And I saw mine, mine had not been crossed out yet, but the names above mine were and that gave me the uh, idea or the sense that I'm next in the chopping block. And indeed I was. And the communication and conversation around what he said, I can't remember exactly, but I remember feeling like, and I posted on LinkedIn on about this, like a cog in the machine, I felt like a number. And so their employer marketing for them, their brand, that was a terrible way in my opinion to treat a person such as myself who had given everything to that job and feeling like I didn't matter at all. It just left a really bad taste in my mouth, which is another reason why I started my own company too, is because I I empathize with those who have been laid off like that and left to, to figure it out. It's like I'm starting all over again with this blank slate without any help from the company that laid you off. It's like, Oh wow. It's jarring.
3: Yeah. And that's why I think it's ever more important than ever. So Someone that's just been laid off and is in that situation is, and I think it's impossible to not feel like that. Like mm-hmm. people, there's a common phrase, and when the layoffs happen, cuts happen. Is like, don't take it personal. It. My my response to that is, when somebody talks about that, is it's always personal to someone. Like if you're t- if they're losing their job and it's like a big event in their life, it's personal to them because that affects their life outside of work. So it can never not be personal to them. Now it's not, that may not necessarily personal to the company because it's just the decision they had to make, but it still is a personal decision to them. So I've generally said is that you should feel like that for a little bit. It's okay to feel a little mad, a little disappointed a little bit. However, because if you withhold that and you just are smiles and and rainbows and butterflies and pretending that it was cool like I don't think you get out of it like the experience to where you need to kind of you know move forward from it so I think sometimes that's good to feel like that not good in the sense any of us have to experience it but good because it allows us to experience those feelings exemplify them and then also I think once you start to move past that Think about all the positive things he probably did in that place and you're going to do in your career and start to put your focus there because you got it out of your system.
2: 100%. I love that. I love what you just said because what I did was the opposite. As soon as I was laid off, Andy, I went home and the first thing I did was open up my laptop and stop looking for, started looking for work because I was panicking. But there is some, something to be said about taking the time out to grieve. Grieve the loss of the job that you just lost. Mm -hmm. And all the feelings that come with that, because like you said, if you don't get rid of that stuff, if you don't like kind of process it now, it might impede your job search going forward. So Uh really take time to honor those feelings and then move past it. And once you do look back to all the accomplishments that you made and, and use that to your advantage when you're marketing yourself.
3: Well, you definitely pivoted on it a little bit here. So we definitely got to take some time to want to talk about interview ally and what your company does for those who weren't on our last episode, you know, maybe some of the topics you're working through with some of your candidates right now. And, you know, we're talking about healthy, -healthy, non-healthy styles of looking for a job. I'd say mine was like somewhat healthy, but the most unhealthy thing I did, and you probably would have gotten a laugh out of it is if you have ever seen the film Forgetting Sarah Marshall, the yes. main character who eats cereal out of that huge bowl, yeah. that's basically what I did for on and off for four
2: months, <laughs> is
3: I applied to jobs, ate cereal, and just kept doing it on loop uh, for four months straight.
2: I mean, same, pretty much, but is your question, like, what with Interview Ally and what I yes. do with my clients? Yeah, yes. so I So I I like to say that I am an advocate for job seekers who are facing some type of transition, whether that's something like voluntary or not, whether they've been laid off or whether they're in a job, but they're wanting to pivot to something else. So I am their biggest cheerleader and I I work with people to convey their career stories because each one has a unique career story to tell. And so I provide resume services, interview coaching, networking help and strategic job searching services For people that need it and i'm all about amplifying voices and figuring out a way like we've talked about about how to stand out from the rest and that's all about honoring and then promoting our unique skill sets and talents and I do that through all of those different areas when i'm working with my clients so.
3: Very, very cool. And I could have used you, Brooke, back in the day. So (laughs) I I love what you're doing. But even even in current day, you know, if it's somebody just looking to spruce up. And I think think you're a great outlet just to have a conversation about these topics. I think it's just really important. And, you know, that's one thing that Jess and I talked about from our last episode is You kind of enlightened us some things we hadn't really thought about in terms of uh, the employment and job market. So, you know, I would say if you're anything like you are on the podcast, I know that your clients are probably extremely, extremely value or value value you an extreme amount um, based Um, on the knowledge you bring to the table.
2: Thank you, Andy. There are, there are, I really appreciate that. I It just fills me to hear that and I appreciate it. And, and whenever, if I get a testimonial every now and then it just makes it all worthwhile mm-hmm. because I know in some small way that maybe I've helped someone in that, and that that's awesome. I do wanna point out if it's okay, if we have like a minute Yes. to where I wanna share, um, I, I'd like to give some advice to job seekers out there, just a minute, um, as far as standing out above the crowd. Right. So being strategic in your job search, knowing what type of jobs you want to go after and understanding how your skills align to that, and then marketing yourself accordingly to that as well. Um, You want to be, you also want to be clear on your value proposition. That could be a whole other podcast. So be clear on your value proposition because that's the best way you're going to stand out to employers. And just to continue being proactive and active on LinkedIn, engaging with posts and just putting yourself out there.
3: No, definitely. And I think that that is great advice that ranges from our employment sector, but also, you know, how I work with clients at LinkedIn. You know, I tend to take a much more personable style. I've learned from agency background that, you know, you come in, you pitch your agency, we get you all this ROI. uh, We have this, you know, type of algorithm and, product that nobody else has. And it's like, they've all heard the same things. The way that you win is showcasing that you're an ambassador of what you believe in, in your career field, that you're someone that the company or client wants to work with. This goes up to CEOs to me, like people want to work with people that they trust and enjoy being around. And if you bring the knowledge along with it, that's when you start to win and i feel like when we talk about job interviews i will take it from this side as i've conducted job interviews not from mm-hmm. linkedin but in, in the agency background the most important question i asked because sometimes we would get like a list of questions that i was told to ask or the company wanted to know most important thing i would ask is what is your philosophy on social media? It was just an open-ended question. I would tell the candidate before I asked, "There's no right or wrong answer to, to anything." But what I wanted to see is I wanted to see that sparkle in their eye and what they believed in and if they love this thing or not. And if they loved it. And they could sell me on their philosophy and do it with that personality. I knew that they could go in front of a CEO managing millions of dollars and do a similar type thing. So that was always such an important question for me to see if they were the right fit for us.
2: I love open-ended questions like that, especially when it gives them an opportunity to convey their enthusiasm and their passion for whatever it is that you're asking about. That is a great way to see just how interested The candidate is in that particular position and company too
3: so let's talk about our personal stories as we we close out a few of these questions here so personal stories from job interviews good we can go good or bad here brooke um i can start off let me start off with some i'll start off with a good one here a personal story for myself is I've interviewed uh, for companies before and we talk about the immediacy aspect. So I was in the market. I had four jobs where I made it to the le- last few rounds all at once running wow. together. It was a little bit overwhelming. And a lot of times it doesn't time like that. As I'm sure you work with your candidates, like they have peaks and valleys. You get to the yes. end, peaks and valleys. Never had this happen before. So we had four all the way at the end. The three had already been there for a while. One, I had been told I finished all the interviews and was just done. I was waiting for, I think, three to four weeks and no answer. I just kept emailing, no answer, no answer, that type of thing. I had one that came in and they messaged me on LinkedIn. So they came to recruit and the things they led with in the message is they led with salary in the subject line great idea if it's a good one. Oh my gosh um, so they yeah, yes. i was like okay i was like i'm interested they sent a message about the company's values their pto policy and their insurance it was an agency but like everything was right there in a singular linkedin message right like, would you be interested in just having a discussion i was like you lay it all out there like that like very simplistic i was like sure so he did it i talked to the recruiter i would say four or five days later I had my second interview once they passed me along um that was with somebody that i would be working alongside so like to your point i got to talk to someone that's actually in my shoes so i get a better vibe for the job i would say it was two days after that i talked to the boss and then he made an offer immediately at that point and i said yes in that job Leapfrog the other three that had been in the final stages for some of them weeks. And the ironic part is this job was able to execute a full interview process in less than a week. One of the other jobs that had me hanging for weeks got back to me two days after I said yes and said they had an offer and had to decline the offer because I felt more comfortable at this point with this job that moved quick. And the reason I took it it wasn't company size, it wasn't pay, it wasn't job title. It was that I felt confident in the people who interviewed me would be people I wanted to work with. Like, that was simply the That's reason so I chose So
2: important. That's so important. The way they marketed or approached you, Andy, with oh. all like this simple, like, here are, the, here are the main buckets with salary, all the things. That is a smart marketing tactic. Like you said, with salary, that could be good or bad, but it also... Yeah. Be up front with salary because it makes it more efficient for both sides.
3: Yep. You'll know right away if somebody's interested or not. (laughs) Like if if you make them wait through three or four interviews, you don't know. Like the thing, so this is something that I think is probably a little unique to digital media. Digital media salaries are not put in like a bank. Like there's like a, a range, like they could be anything. Like mm-hmm. you could be an influencer right now on YouTube that has 18 million followers and you're a millionaire. You could be an entry-level coordinator who hits a one campaign out of the park, and then now they're you know a director somewhere at a corporate company. It could be anywhere in between that, you know, that there's no real range. So when you go into an interview, it doesn't it doesn't matter company size, title anything like you really don't know in my field unless they tell you. So wow. if you want to ensure that people are going to stick through the interview process, just say it right up front because they could be at all different wavelengths as to where they're at.
2: Well, that's smart that they did that. I love that. We need to do more. We I think employers need to do more of that, right? Just saves people time and headache. Yep. I do I do have an interview story. One, well, real quick, one was not a na- negative experience, but it was a career pivot for me were a little bit of a career pivot where I was in the interview and the head guy was interviewing me. And I I could tell that I really had to prove myself in this interview because he couldn't see how my skills aligned with, with the job that they were they were looking to fill. So I had to do a lot of extra work about, here's what you're looking for. Here's the connecting the dots to how my experience aligns. So I would say that's not a great story, but it, I put it out there because you got to sometimes draw the picture for someone in order for them to see how relevant your skills are to what they're looking for, even if it doesn't fit in a pretty little box. I got the job, so I did. I did. I did a good job, I, I guess, because I got the I got the job offer. But the other one, this this is a unique situation where I was doing a major career pivot. This was after my layoff, after eight months of working. Andy, I was asked to come in an interview for an executive director position of a small nonprofit. I had previously worked at Lucas Oil Stadium. Eight months without a job, major career pivot, interviewing for an executive director position. I walk in, and it was a panel of people. It was the search committee of the board. And I think there were probably six people in there. And I was nervous, so nervous. And there were a lot of thoughtful questions. Um, I I believe I I was successful in that because I ended up getting the job. But the thing that stood out to me the most is as I was leaving, one of the gentlemen who was on the board gave me a high five. He gave me a high five for a job well done in the interview. And he's like, you go get him. You did great. That moment stuck with me until this day and it will forever. And that person, uh, he was probably in his seventies at the time, eighties. He became my friend. Even after I had to step away from that position, we maintained our friendship. So I guess I, I share that story because it's a feel good one and That person, Joe, my dear friend Joe, who has since passed away, he told me in that moment that I, like, I hit the ball out of the park with that interview. And I encourage employers to also do that. Give feedback. Give feedback if you can. And especially if someone has really rocked the interview, let them know that. Let's actually talk about that a little bit, too.
3: Like that, The interview feedback, I think, is very important. But also... There are things that you, that happen on the job that I think stick with people, so both good and bad, and I'm sure you work with some of your clients to kind of discuss their career arcs and journeys so I can tell you that, you know, good stuff that stuck with me is when I was, I, I tell this story a lot when I was first moving into a role where I had a full-time presence in digital. I was definitely in that coordinator role. Most of the people were 10 plus years my elder. I was sitting in these meetings and, you know, it's young face doing social media. Let's just, you know, like cut the chest yeah. elephant in the room. So. Yeah. Uh, my boss, uh, he was, he's about 10 years older than me. And well, he said that those meetings now became my meetings. And he told everyone in the room that I was now leading these meetings and that um, he would give me talking points. He helped me with what I needed to say, how I needed to handle the different politics in the room, things like that. He's like, hey, Andy, this is yours now. And at that point, I had been in my career about five years and nobody, I, 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 the same feeling, no one had ever trusted me with anything to have a certain type of responsibility. Like I would do things of course, but no one ever just tasked me. It's like, Hey, Andy, you can do this, go do it, you know, and work with these people and run a meeting. And that stuck with me so much because just him saying he was confident in me kind of Led me to not doubt a lot of what I was doing as much anymore. And then, you know, vice versa, I'll say things that can stick with people is, you know, sometimes how you disagree in meetings or say things don't work or whatnot. You know, working at agency level, um, especially in earlier days of digital, is we were told over and over and over again that social media does not help with return on investment, which we've now debunked that. But when you keep hearing that over and over again, and you're like, hey, this doesn't help us, you know, move on, and you get treated like the young person in the room, you do start to feel like the young person in the room. You have to fight those thoughts a lot. So I think it goes both ways. So, you know, I would empower those that we talking about candidates and job interviews a lot today, but even those who are in the workforce right now, constructive feedback is important, but if you do bring somebody in, um, you know, challenging them to be able to take on those tasks that you hired them for, and then if you have to give them some feedback, like it's got to be a little better than hey this you know social media sucks. You know, like it doesn't work because that's going to send them down this path where they're not going to be productive anymore.
2: Because it's negative, right? It doesn't offer any positive, okay, well, if you feel that way, then what are the, what are the alternative steps? It just, it just, more negativity leads to, negativity leads to more negativity. I would say that my experience, um, and getting feedback too on the job, Andy, real quickly, because I posted a little bit about it and, a post I published on LinkedIn yesterday, I believe. And it was around the power of appreciation because there's power in that and telling someone that you appreciate them. I, When I was at Lucas Oil Stadium, one of the head guys pulled me aside because he could see that I was struggling with my confidence. There was a lot that was involved with my job in particular. And it, I was a part of this uh, building even before they opened to the public. So it was very stressful. There was a lot on my plate and I felt like I was just crumbling. And he could he could read that, and so he took it upon himself to have a heart to heart with me. And he told me, Hey, you are doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. I believe in you. Therefore, you should believe in you. And if I had, if he hadn't have had that talk with me, Andy, I probably, I don't know where, I don't know what path I would have taken because I was seriously considering would it be best for myself and for them if I walked away and they gave the opportunity to someone else, even though I didn't want to do that, right? Because that's a whole bunch of risk related to leaving a job. But he, took it upon himself to, to, to have that heart to heart with me and to give me encouragement and motivation. And I just felt empowered to, 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 to do my job, but to do it even better. Cause I knew that I was doing a good job in his eyes. And it's so important. It's so incredibly important to tell people that they're doing a good job, that they matter and to say, thank you.
3: And it, it's just with anything, you know, confidence that I don't think there's a person out there who runs at a 10 out of 10 confidence all times of the day. There's more people that are confident than others. I think that is true. And I think it's something that you're not just born with. You have to consistently work on. Yes. But I do believe that you can be a product of your organization too. And if there's confidence around you, managers, peers, et cetera, that help build that, then you can work. It makes it easier to work on yourself and bring it to the table. Uh, So I think of that through like a sports lens. I always like to go back to baseball. I love baseball. But you can see it at times in hitters in baseball. When they're going good, they are very confident at the plate. And you can see when it's just rattled a little bit. Just that's all in, in a competitive sport. If you know that you're above, you know, you can beat another team. They just have to be a little bit off. And that's sometimes, I think, that difference in the job market could be who we work with and what we engage
2: with. I don't know if this relates to your point, but it makes me think of my son who's 11 years old and he plays travel soccer. When things aren't going well in the game, you can tell immediately. With some of the some of the kids on the team, but it's not. in the nonverbal communication, mm-hmm. their heads are pointing down, their their shoulders are sulking. So yeah, I, I like the sports reference. It made me think oh, of my my son and his soccer his soccer games and soccer team.
3: I love that. Anything sports sports relates to uh to everything in marketing. Yeah, so. it
2: does. It really does.
3: If you are looking to post some brand content about yourself and you're a sportsy person related to marketing, you that's a that's a hack to engagement on LinkedIn. People tend to like that. But- uh,
2: I love that. I'll last, have to use that now, Andy. <laughs> no,
3: you should do it. Write a post about your kid's soccer team and relate it to your world at Interview Ally. And I guarantee you, you'll get some comments on that.
2: I will. I'll do that. I actually wrote a post last- and it was about my son and his team teaching me a lesson about losing with grace and respect Mm -hmm. because I was moved beyond I was moved beyond words at these 10 year old boys at the time they just showed up and they played their hearts out and they lost but they still lost with dignity so I think there's something to be said about that because it relates to life
3: yes I mean you're not going to win every time there's no there's No. no possible way especially in this world. You know, I know your a lot of your clients probably work in some sort of business world. Of course, there's no possible way to go out there every single day and just win, win, win. There's not one company who's ever done it. Apple, the biggest and most dominant company of all have had down decades. It's yeah. not uncommon. So you have to be able to know how to do that. But also, what does that mean? What are your strategical changes to move on from that point? Speaking of strategy, final thing we have before we close out is resume building and a big thing um, that we're seeing in the industry right now, AI for resume building. Do you have any clients who are using ChatGPT for resumes, other AI? Do you endorse it? Have you dabbled in it at all? I'm just super curious because we are seeing that starting to be promoted a little bit more.
2: So. I don't know about my clients engaging or using it. I know that I have dabbled with it just so I can speak to it. Like I've I've tried it out. This is what this is how I feel about it. This is what it can do. I would say that I had I had mixed feelings, Annie, about AI coming on the scene. I uh, we all knew it was going to happen at some point, but the the force and the presence that it's taken lately it's crazy. So with Chat GPT. Like utilizing a source a resource like that for resume writing, I would say, use it as a guide and a jumping off point. Don't use it to write your resume entirely because guess what? People will catch on to that. i I, I have because it, it, resumes need to take if we're talking about resumes and chat, GPT, resumes need to have a human voice to them. And then they need to incorporate all of your human achievements or professional achievements and your impact. And yes, it can that platform can help you. Create, start creating your resume or start creating your bullets or what have you. But ultimately it's up to you to adapt it to yourself. So I think it's a great tool to use as far as if you're having a hard time coming up with your prof- your professional summary, which goes at the top of your resume. You can put in some prompts that will help it spit out something that could be useful you, for you to use, but then adapt, customize as much as you can to make it unique to you.
3: I feel like editing skills have become more important than ever because yeah.
2: you
3: know, a lot of what I'm seeing with AI is not as much, you know, you, you need to know writing skills, of course, just for probably any walk of professional life, but I feel like editing has become more important than ever because. Chat GPT, I feel like it gets us close to what we're looking for, but it's not quite there. And it's like, you have to know how to edit that. And I think in a resume, you're exactly right. I think you're going to start seeing, because I, I know college kids will fall for this because um, <laughs> we're all still learning the world. I was one of them at one time, but I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of college kids with chat GPT resumes and then say the same type of prompt at the top.
2: Yeah, in fact, I wanted to point. I'm glad that you brought that up, Andy, because I was talking with some soccer parents um, the other evening, and they have some kids who are in high school, and they heard a story about there were some kids in their daughters or sons' class that decided to write a whole term paper using Chat GPT. Hmm. Well, guess what? The teacher found out, and they either flunked or something happened, and it wasn't a good. It wasn't a good ending. Well, that's so, not good. You know, use you know it, Use it wisely.
3: You know what they used to do back in my college day? Because Wikipedia was around, and what people used to do is you would go to Wikipedia about the paper you're writing about, and then you would get quotes and different statistics and whatnot from it. But then you would source what Wikipedia was sourcing. See, so actually, oh used the
2: real source. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't do that. Yeah, but I think I'm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm older than you, and maybe at that point I was referring to encyclopedias more. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, but hey, there were encyclopedias in their sources, though, so
2: I mean, <laughs> that was a hard true. one to
3: prevent for teachers, but uh, we are out of time, Brooke. Uh, once again, Brooke Tishner, founder of Interview Ally, thank you so much for stepping in Jess's shoes today. I think this was a wonderful conversation where I learned a lot. and We're um, hopeful that our audience that whether you're at a job now or you're looking, we know a lot of the marketing and digital world is definitely in a in kind of a weird flux place right now. Hopefully this can provide you some of that motivation and definitely reach out to Brooke or I. If you have any more questions, follow us on LinkedIn, uh, but really happy to do this episode with you and dig in just a little bit deeper.
2: Yes, this has been so fun yet again. Thank you so much to Andy and to Jess um, for having me on and congratulations to Jess again.
3: Congratulations, Jess. We'll be back again next week with another special co-host. But until then, uh, thank you again for listening to The Making of a Marketer.
2: Thanks, guys.
1: You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy.